Hello, dear listener. I have something truly special to share. It's an exclusive invitation to join me in Mexico for an intimate and luxurious three-day retreat along the beautiful Pacific coast of Zihuatanejo, taking place the weekend of the spring equinox, March 18th through the 20th. There's also an optional day to stay through the 21st for some special ceremonies that are happening in the area for the equinox. But the retreat itself is the 18th through the 20th, really an opportunity not to be missed. And I'm offering one lucky listener a discounted ticket. On this weekend that I've, I've just been loving into being actually for several years now as COVID and you know everything, but when we conceived of building this place, our home down here it's really what we envisioned, you know, bringing people down here for retreats, for trainings, because we felt and we knew that this space was special. And as people keep coming down and we keep getting the feedback, how magical it is, we want to share it in a really intentional way. You know, be working with the four elements, earth, air, fire, water, the metaphors of the season will set sight on a new vision for our mothering journey and creating a deeper connection to self and mother nature. So to win a discounted ticket, rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, screenshot it and DM it to me on Instagram at Dr. Gertrude Lyons. And remember, the most important thing to mother is yourself. Give yourself permission to take a retreat this year. Besides, who said mothers can't go on a spring break? I'll see you there. This is a Soul Fire production. Welcome to Mother. No, it's Mother. Welcome to Mother, the show where we can explore our inner mothers to actualize our greatest selves through interviews with incredible guests, live coaching sessions, and my own experiences. We're going to dive deep into embracing feminine values and reparenting ourselves. So be prepared to show up, hold space, and be mothered in a way you never have before, but have always needed. It's time we rewrite the Mud Her Code. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Mud Her, season two of Rewriting the Mother Code podcast. And this week, I had the privilege and honor of having Lee Noto as my guest on my podcast. And you are in for a treat. Wow. We just had the time together in the interview, and I'm feeling so much joy, such delight in being with someone who's doing such beautiful work in the world. And she's a coach. She has a podcast called Way of the High Priestess, really in a very grounded, pragmatic, and then taking you places, work that she's doing in helping individuals create more intentional intimacy in their lives and intimacy that comes after doing work that's very grounded and healing so that we can bring our full present self to our interactions, you know, whether they be physical intimacy, emotional intimacy, or just, you know, connection in our world. So we do a lot of myth busting around preconceived notions of what that is. And a lot of the pieces that come into play in this arena, uh, we talk about masculine, feminine, we talk about women's cycles, we talk about psychedelic use in therapy, and all of those from a perspective of a grounded approach 
much. And then, you know, what's possible, you know, when we fully embrace our inner work and the beautiful work of mothering ourselves and reparenting ourselves. So I know you're going to enjoy this and I would love to hear you know, always feel free to leave your comments for me and and any thoughts you have on Instagram or any of my channels with anything that you are experiencing for yourself or comes up for you when you listen to this or any of my podcasts. All right, here we go. I'm super excited. Welcome Lee Noto to Mother Her Rewriting the Mother Code podcast. I am so, so grateful to be here. Thank you. I will share just a little bit about you to give our audience a sense of who you are, but then I'm going to want you to like really dive into that. So Lee Noto is a coach. Her podcast platform is so beautiful. The coaching she does, the program she does, the way of the high priestess. And this is all about intimacy and self-expression and how do we create intimacy with ourselves, others, owning our sensual and sexual nature and becoming more connected with our emotions, desires, and needs. As you can see, we're very in tune with each other and what we're each of us are about. And I'm super excited about our conversation today, Lee. So yay, thanks for being here. So I know I just said a little bit about you, which is, you know, given at least a high level sense of all the beautiful work you're doing and the ways you're bringing it out into the world. And of course, all that will be in our show notes. So people I'm sure will want to get in touch with you and find out more and explore your podcast and your programs and coaching. But I would love to kick us off and share and and have you share more about yourself. Like how did all of this come into being? I always find people's journeys just so beautiful and fascinating. So if you don't mind, diving right in there. I would love to. Well, I can definitely say that from a very early age, I knew that I had a different interest and different ability when it came to being curious about my body, body sensations, Mm. sexuality, intimate experiences. And of course, as a little girl, I didn't know what that would look like, but I knew that I was more curious than most other children throughout my life. So I didn't put the pieces of the puzzle back together until I found this work as an adult. But my trajectory from college through my early 20s was pretty standard. I went to school and studied business. I got a master's in education. I became a teacher. And then I worked at a corporate education company. And I thought I had a really good chance at climbing the corporate ranks. And because I knew I wasn't going to become a doctor or lawyer, like my mother would have loved, I thought my best chance to create success in my life was in the world of business. And it's not far off from what I do now as a business owner, but the flavor of my business really brings me back to what I knew very early on about myself, which was that my purpose of being here is to create a safe space for people to feel so deeply safe in being themselves, in having their needs, their boundaries, their desires, preferences, kinks, when it comes to sexuality and any aspect of their life, that they know what it's like and know how to create deep fundamental levels of emotional, psychological, and sexual safety within themselves so that they can go out in the world and be expressed, liberated, joyful beings. And so that's the work that I do today. And that's really the journey I've been on in my personal life as well. Yeah, that's kind of the key, right? Like how our personal journey, I can 100% relate to that. I know people have heard that in various stories in my podcast. And what I'm relating to also and what you're talking about, Lee, is when something has had such a big impact on 
me, you know, on you, you want to share it, right? Mm -hmm. You want to find ways for other people to know about this because, you know, the things you're talking about have either everything from taboo to them to just coaching and finding out about ourselves at any level isn't as widely accepted as I know I would like, but it's such a beautiful journey and yours has led you here. So what is it like to be an intimacy coach? There is never a dull moment. That is the first thing I'll say. And I'm sure you know this to be true of yourself, but when we claim something in the world, when I claimed that I was an intimacy coach because I knew this was my path, the universe lined up plenty of experiences to initiate me into a level of readiness to be able to serve people in this way. All of a sudden, a big part of the journey to getting to where I am now is being served with the places that I had blocks, blind spots, challenges, things that were unresolved. So I went through a a huge phase of exploring my own intimacy and that is a forever journey. So a part of being an intimacy coach now is always being a student of my work and a student in the world where I'm continuously curious about what intimacy is like for others, what stands in the way for them. So I'm always listening, always tuning in and serving in this way for people is the deepest honor I could ever imagine having because the things that I get to learn about from my clients and the places that we go together are by nature, the most intimate places in their life. There are things that I know about some of my clients that nobody else in the world knows. Mm -hmm. And I hold that honor with reverence and respect and so much love that people feel safe enough in my presence to be able to reveal their hearts and reveal themselves in a way that allows them to deepen further into who they are. That's beautiful. I know from that, that that means you have a beautiful ability to create a safe space because mm-hmm. people don't just divulge or reveal themselves, you know, without that kind of safety, security that you're with them, you know, and present with them. And that's such a big part of it. This is so good. And I want to like kind of dig into that aspect. But I'm also, as you're talking, thinking, you know, people might be wondering, I guess you could say it in coaching in general, but when you're putting yourself out as an intimacy coach, it's, that's not like some magical, like, you know, thing, although it all feels like magic in a way, I I don't mean, you know, to dismiss that mystical part of any of our work, but, you know, there's very pragmatic training that you've been through. And if you go to your website, you can, you know, see what it is. It's very beautiful and impressive, but I think, do you mind like giving a sense of even just what some of the practical pragmatic training that you've dedicated yourself to and in the past, but also currently? Yes. I really love that you asked this question because there is a lot in this world that seems mystical. And there's certainly a mystical aspect when we are talking about the intersection between sexuality and spirituality, which is a huge part of the work. But in order to be able to access these mystical states where we find oneness with God through orgasm, we have to feel safe to be able to do that. And that is a very real human consideration that is approached best, I think, through developmental psychology. So a lot of my studies bring me back to developmental psychology, how we form attachment styles, whether or not we ever felt safe with our primary caregivers and the environment that we grew up in, what messages we received about love, sex, intimacy, relationships, how that informs how we show up to relationships now, because everything is informed by those early formative years in our development. And we operate from that template until we recognize as adults, oh, wait, is this my belief or is that my parents' belief? 
do I want to operate this way? Does this feel good for me? Or is there another way that would feel better? So the core of the work before we even get into any spiritual aspects of it is, can we cultivate a deep sense of emotional, psychological, and sexual safety within ourselves? So this is really perfect because a lot of the work that I do with my clients is wow. helping them learn how to reparent themselves. Yeah. Is helping them learn how to reparent themselves because most of us did not grow up receiving the kind of love and safe, secure attachment style that we would have needed to grow and thrive in ideal ways. So how do we take responsibility for who we are now as adults to create that safety for ourselves so that we can have healthy, mature, expansive relationships. I'm glad I asked the question too, because I'm so, you know, resonating and relating and my work around mothering and mothering ourselves and rewriting the mother code, just what you're talking about is that critical piece, right? It's looking back, what were the codes we were wired with, you know, in our development and our, as Jack Mesereau calls it, our formation, Mm -hmm. you know, and now as adults, what you're talking about is embarking on our own transformation and, you know, our becoming of ourselves. But I really don't think it's possible without going back to those places and those spaces. And sometimes right. that, and I, I imagine a big part, especially with, you know, the areas you're talking about, and if we're going to have intimacy with ourselves and others, there's so much healing, you know, to be done, you know, everything from significant trauma to just, you know, dysfunctional patterns, right. And, yeah. and the compassion that we need for ourselves on that journey and the awareness, like that all worked for us so well, you know, then they're just not the things that are going to really help us get close to ourselves and others. So I'm just, you know, so happy to hear that. Cause I think sometimes there is like a misconception that we should just be able to have awesome sex or intimacy or even like emotional closeness, but how are we supposed to do that if we didn't have it or we have no model for it? Right. And and we put all this pressure and culture puts this huge pressure on us to, you know, like we're just supposed to know, but that the journey to get there is really beautiful. Right. Yeah. I think that's so much of what you're talking about. So this might be more of a similar question, but maybe just speaking even a little bit more about you get to some of these places, then what kind of happens from there, right? So what is it that helps a woman really cultivate this intimacy within herself? That's such a, a we could question. talk about that for hours and hours. So what is it that helps? <laughs> so I'll just share that, you know, this is one perspective in both my personal experience as someone who identifies as a woman and someone who works with women. And I'll bring this back to some energetic teachings. And you may have you know, explored some of this or talked about this on the podcast, but it's really in cultivating our own inner masculine and inner feminine energies. And here's a simple way to think about that because it can seem quite intangible. But if we think about the two energies that exist within us all, this is gender agnostic. We all have masculine and feminine energy to different degrees and different moments in our lives. So when we think of the quintessential masculine in terms of how it appears to us in the outside life. This is a person who has a very strong capability to go, do, achieve, organize, analyze, be logical, direct, clear, stable, grounded, right? These are very masculine qualities. And we tend to see a lot of this in many men, though there are men with feminine qualities as well. A lot of women also have these beautiful masculine qualities. And when we think of the feminine, this is nonlinear, flowing, creativity, intuition, receptivity, openness, emotionality. So these are aspects of the feminine, and these are beautiful qualities. 
they both need each other. It is imbalanced to have only one set of aspects over the other. So they're both equally important and vital in how we operate. Now, to get to your question about what creates safety is when we strike a balance between those two aspects within ourselves that feels good for us. And I'll go one layer deeper, which is the kind of things that create safety are deep layers of the masculine and feminine, or they're referred to as conscious, divine, masculine, feminine. And for the masculine, that is cultivating within ourselves a deep sense of unwavering presence. Mm. Meaning when our stuff comes up or when someone else's stuff comes up, can we be present with it? And present doesn't mean trying to fix, change, adjust, destroy, push away, push down. It means whatever arises. Yes. That's what's here right now. That's what we're working with. That's what we're looking at. This is what we're observing. We're going to hold space for that. And just because we're holding space doesn't mean we have to permit it to go on any longer if it's an unhealthy habit, but it means that we're not going to deny that it is a part of what's here for us right now. In cultivating the deeper level of the feminine, it is an unconditional sense of acceptance and open-heartedness. So whatever arises, can we say, okay, this is how it is for me right now. I don't have to like it. I don't have to permit it to go on any longer. And can I accept that this is what's here without trying to fix or change myself? Because when we're always trying to fix and change, it sends the message to us that we're not good enough as we are. And so many people have that self-perpetuating narrative in their minds and it diminishes safety, which diminishes intimacy. We do not feel intimate with people that we don't feel safe around. And typically that starts with not feeling safe around ourselves because there's a constant narrative of criticism, judgment, shame that we're feeding ourselves. And so when we develop this unwavering sense of presence and an unconditional sense of acceptance and open-heartedness, that's what allows us to feel safe. And that's what allows us to create intimacy with ourselves. And when we are able to hold ourselves in that way, we attract people into our lives that are really doing the inner work and are showing up in a similar way. And that's when mature relationships are created. Hi, I'm so excited to share with you my 2024 Spring Equinox Self-Mothering Retreat that's happening this March, 2024. And I would love for you not only to consider it, but to attend. But in considering it, hey, just knowing that you would be leaving cold weather if that's the space that you're in and coming down to just magnificently beautiful, warm, nourishing place of Zihuatanejo, Mexico, Zihuatanejo, meaning land of the goddess women, and coming to really take time for yourself, okay? And that I am learning more and more isn't just a nice thing to do or something extravagant or something selfish. It's essential. And I really want you to take it seriously to consider, you know, just think about what would it take for me to go? It's a five and a half day retreat getting from where you are, getting there, landing there, and then being in a space that is all about you. It's all about nourishing you. It's all about tuning into you, using everything around us, the nature, the food, the beautiful people, the rituals, ceremonies. I bring it, you know, we really bring it. And we go deeper and deeper as the days go on and we release, we let go, we bring in what is nourishing, what is empowering, what is that space of just really divine feminine energy. And we do it in the community of women. 
It's not for everyone. I will be honest, you know, if that idea of leaving and not making it work or it's just too hard, not for you. If the idea of, you know, spending that amount of time inwardly focused and going to that level of self-awareness doesn't sound like something you're willing to do or put the time and energy into, then it's not for you. And it's good to know that, right? So this is for people who are serious about what it means to mother themselves, what it means to take time for ourselves and that gift and what that gift can bring to us. It was originally right after my fall retreat, it filled right up. But now some people, it turns out, are not able to come. So I do have a handful of openings. And if you're listening to this and you're willing to take that step, please reach out to me. We can do a discovery call or you can put a deposit down. I would love that. And you can do that by going to my website, www.drgertrudelyons.com. Go to events and there you go. It'll all be there. There's a beautiful page there for you to explore. I look forward to hearing from you and then seeing you on my spring retreat. That's so beautiful, Lee. I'm so glad you brought that aspect in the masculine and the feminine and the synergy and the harmony that's possible. And I love the word um, gender agnostic. (laughs) It's a perfect way to put it because I'm always qualifying, right? Yeah. Not men, not women, but I think about it and kind of how you're saying it is like them using the masculine in service of the feminine, you know, as someone who identifies as as a woman, right? That those powers are powerful and but not to be overvalued. And that's an aspect that I always like to bring out also. And I think you're, you know, you're saying it in, in a very beautiful way that, you know, and in our culture currently, we are out of balance and we are yeah. overvaluing the masculine. So of course, right. I'm going to feel like something's wrong with me all the time. You know, yeah. if I'm trying to orient to that or feel like that's how I'm, I'm supposed to be or feel, but when I can, you know, value and honor them for what they are and, you know, we use them in service of my being mm-hmm. and this aspect of being, hopefully people are picking up on it. Cause you know, you're bringing it in so beautifully also that really the kind of big win here is anything or any way that we could bring ourselves to presence. That is a hard one battle, but a, a beautiful one right? to yes. have that moment where, you know, we're with ourselves and in our feelings. And I love that, you know, you're bringing all those aspects in giving physical intimacy and, and sexual intimacy, that level of groundedness and awareness. I think that's missing for many of us, you know, in yeah. that way. and creating the safe space. So important, right? <laughs> um, the context, you know, and that's feminine, right? The context of the space that we're in is really what has to be there, right? Like, and we have to really be present to it. So you work with and, you know, and, and also, you know, help us get in touch with ourselves and then our bodies, right? So what role does our bodies play, you know, in intimacy and how, how would you speak to that? Yes. A huge role more than we are taught and more than we give our bodies credit for. So many of us show up to intimacy and to sexuality with our minds and by no fault of our own, this is how we were taught or the default that occurs when we're not taught how to relate to our bodies intimately. And so when we think of what causes us to behave in the way we do as humans, Yes, there are aspects of the mind that are at play and conscious choice and free will, and we are beings of the body. 
We have nervous systems that have a whole host of experiences and history that is stored within the nervous system. That is a very body-based operating system. So when we're showing up to experiences in relationship with other people, with ourselves, if we have not gone on the journey of processing some of the past events that are stored in our nervous system that were either traumatic or had a big impact on us, then those events and those memories are still being stored in the body. Even if we've long forgotten or have completely forgotten that these things occurred, there is still a memory in the body about impactful experiences that we've endured in our lives. So the body plays a huge role in how we show up to intimacy and relationships and cannot be overlooked. And no matter how much academic and cognitive learning we do about how to communicate or you know, how to show up in sex and speak about it. There is still very much a body that needs to be on board with the experience in order for us to feel completely aligned, to feel completely safe. So the body plays a very integral role in every part of our human experience, sexual or non. Yeah, thanks. And I know this isn't exclusive to women because men have cycles also. They're just not as pronounced or thought of in quite the same way, so specifically and significantly for women, but our cycles in our bodies, which I think are so beautiful and such a powerful aspect of being a woman. And sadly, still in our culture are in so many cultures, right? Have been, there's so much shame around them or something that we're supposed to hide or, you know, from our menstrual cycle to, you know, all, all birth cycle, you know, everything that it's like messy and emotional and, you know, and all that's talked about in such a negative way that I'm really trying to break. And I know you are too. (laughs) Yeah. Break that down and, you know, and, and really re-empower ourselves. So I would imagine is some of that, what you speak about in your coaching is, is honoring our cycles. I'm going to speak specifically to our feminine cycles play a part. Absolutely. The more we can create intimacy with our body and our cycles, the better time we have. It's like, buying a piece of furniture from Ikea and it not coming with instructions, right? We could still put the piece of furniture together, but we'll endure a lot of struggle. We're going to assemble things incorrectly. We're going to, you know, it's just, it's not a great time to do that. When you have the instruction manual and you can follow it step-by-step, you just have an easier time when you know how it works. And so a part of this, there are very spiritual, mystical aspects of our cycles as women. And a part of it is simple education. How does this beautiful machine being that we are as a woman in a woman's body, how does it work? How do our cycles work? How do our organs function? How do our hormones work? And within that, what are our preferences? So how do we like to operate within each season of our cycle? What are things that we're drawn to? What are things we're repelled by? So even before, or you know, not before, but Throughout learning about the science of how our bodies work, it's also important to be in tune with what intuitively feels good during each part of our cycle. What kinds of foods am I drawn toward? What kinds of movement am I drawn toward? What kinds of communication and interaction am I drawn toward? And just being aware of that because all the science in the world can say, here's how it generally works for most women. And we are all so unique in our makeup, in our preferences, in our boundaries, desires, that the only person who has the real authority on you is you. 
And so science and data and literature can be wildly supportive. And it's about doing our own internal research and seeing what's there. And as I've done that on my personal journey, and as I've helped clients to do that, I have learned to love my period. I love leading up to my period. I love the inwardness. I love kind of hermiting. I love becoming more introspective. I love first starting my bleed. It becomes a very intimate space that I enter into with myself. And I love that as much as I love being in ovulation when I'm out and about in the world, doing a million things in the day and feeling like I'm superwoman. Two very different places, but because I know how I operate in each part of my cycle, I just have a better time with it. Yeah. And well, and you're not resisting or fighting it, right? Like this is the time that I'm not going to be super productive or focused, right? Because I'm aware that this part of time in my cycle is a bit more visionary or dreamy, or like you, I think you said introspective. Right. And when we fight that, it's, you know, we cause ourselves a lot of suffering and what you find yes. like there's just so much suffering. And, but when you can track those times, then you can fully, I can use the word, exploit them and right. use them to their fullest. And I love that you said, you know, i love getting my period and let's shout that from the rooftops. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's so beautiful. I was talking to you a bit about this before we started official, you know, recording, but I'm officially launching into menopause, you know, into that phase. Right. And, uh, it's so mysterious. It's like, you know, it's not like, Oh, I got my period. And now I'm like starting that it's like, right. And it's, I think it's a little fortuitous because it literally was about a year ago, right around this time that I had my last period. Wow. Oh, well, happy anniversary. (laughs) No, I know. I I should look, I don't know. I won't, I won't look, but it's, it is very close to right around this date. And, uh, you know, once I realized it wasn't happening, like I, I was, I've really been mourning it, Mm. you know, I mean, both, you know, till I can, feel like I'm fully moving into this next cycle. Like I'm mourning that I won't have that experience anymore. And what a beautiful Mm -hmm. thing, right. To not be like, Oh, you know, so glad that's over, you know, or, you know, don't have to worry about that again. It's like, no, you know, like that's been such a beautiful aspect of my feminine journey. And yes, I'm launching into a new one and, you know, it's feels very mysterious and unknown and body changing and all that. And I'm just kind of beginning to grapple with it, but it's, I've really had to work at quite honestly, like keeping a positive attitude. There isn't, Mm. it's not talked about a lot, you're not, you know, any of our cycles aren't right. But I'm very much true for this one. Wow. That's, uh, that's so beautiful that you're you're so deeply connected to your emotions and what's coming up for you right now. And it's, it seems completely understandable that there would be a period of mourning as you transition into a new phase in your life. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know what to expect or expect, but thank you. Yeah. It's, it's really been, you know, and particularly with your body changing and, but I'm also really aware. And I always like to recontextualize because I, I like the Celtic way of expressing the, you know, three, but there's a lot of phases within those obviously, but maiden mother crone yes. phases. And people always hear that word crone. They're like, Oh, I don't want to use that word, you know, but right. crone and even the word hag have just gotten a really bad rap, right? Yeah. Like they, that's another, these terms that have been propagandized into the negative, but really they right. just mean wise woman. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> wise, that powerful is exactly woman. And the of word course, I was thinking. <laughs> And it's, that's literally like the meaning it's just an injustice, right. For us to like, think of it as just this shriveled up, you know, like, I don't know, even something like 
just so, so many not positive connotations to it. And so yeah. we're, you know, naming it here. I love and being a crone, right? So. Thank goodness <laughs> you are talking about this because media has done such a wonderful job at creating scarcity and fear in the process of aging and maturing and evolving, really evolving into where you are now, where there's so much wisdom. And I think a part of the personal revolution that creates the global revolution is conversations like this, is our women in that stage of their life. And even before that saying, no, I will not have this narrative thrust upon me that I am useless now, that I'm undesirable now, that I am not capable now of the things that I desire in my life. And I love borrowing on other cultures, particularly matriarchal cultures, where when a woman enters that phase in her life, she is the wisdom keeper. She is the medicine woman. She is the one that is the most revered because she has the experience and the lived wisdom to then offer to others. So know that that's how I see you. And I'm so grateful that you are having this conversation because this is the revolution itself. Well, thank you. And thanks for highlighting and, and underlining. And it's vulnerable, right? To put it out, but I don't care. You know, I have to like, I mean, I care, but I don't care, right? Because yeah. how are we going to change it if we don't talk about it? You know, and you're aware and I've been aware, you know, just speaking about all these cycles and phases and recontextualizing them and, and finding out the history, you know, just even the, like, you, I loved how you said, like, get to know your body. Right. I mean, I had support, you know, like dear friend and doctor, like help kind of show me my body and, yeah. you know, and bring it forth for me because there's so much of that, that we're supposed to like, I don't know, be ashamed of, or so we're, we're getting rid of all that, but speaking yeah. of misconceptions, I, I also want to bring in, I don't, think it's as big a leap as it may sound when I first say it, but, but misconceptions, cause I know uh, a part of the work you do with people and in your therapy is uh, working with psychedelics. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of misconceptions around that. So how does that work and how does that come into play in your work? Absolutely. So I'll first start by saying that psychedelic use is not for everyone. It is not, there are certain psychological, uh, you know, predispositions that, most psychedelic use isn't a fit. So the first thing, the disclaimer that I gave before I talk about the magic of psychedelics is if that is work you're considering doing, please do your research, reach out to trusted professionals and practitioners, um, which likely won't be your Western medical doctor, but there are plenty of scientists and resources out there now that can share whether or not psychedelic use is suited for you based on your psychological history, your mental health history, what medications you may or may not be on. So safety is the number one key when it comes to psychedelic use. Also in that regard, understanding the context for the psychedelic use and how to create the best experience for yourself. Uh, I always recommend working with a trusted guide, practitioner, facilitator, therapist, and there are many kinds out there. So definitely do research. Make sure, and this is these are kind of the tried and true practices in the psychedelic space. Know, make sure that you are in a good mindset to do that work. So you've got to be, it's recommended that you're in a stable place in your life, not that you're in financial distress or emotional distress. Having some stable baseline is important because psychedelic use can be inherently destabilizing. It does shake up the snow globe to speak. So make sure that there's some stability mindset. 
setting. Make sure you're in a proper setting where you feel safe, where you feel taken care of, provided for, that you have everything you need. Make sure that you know what substance you're using and where it's coming from. And have a sitter, a guide, therapist, facilitator that can help you through your process. So these are very important aspects of this work. And when all of the foundational safety matters are considered, this work can be absolutely profound. And in the ways that I use psychedelics, both in my personal life and in my professional life, I have used it in very intentional and therapeutic ways. So there are three tiers of places that we can access in a psychedelic space, tiers one through three. When we're talking about tier one psychedelic use, which is not what most people know about or where most people go because it can be very challenging, we are talking about looking at core identity and attachment style, things that have been formed before we spoke words, before we really formed an identity or ego structure. Those areas, when we're looking at, uh, you know, attachment style, whether we feel fundamentally safe in the world, how we relate to ourselves and others, that part of our lives is what informs how we show up in every other area of our life. So when we're doing work like that, we're typically working with the nervous system. This is not a cognitive approach. We're not doing talk therapy. This is very somatic and body-based. That is the foundation of the work that most people don't know how to do, don't know how to look for, which impacts every other area of life. So that approach is, in my opinion, fundamental and foundational. When we go into tier two, we're looking at the identity that was formed as a result of how we were raised, the relationship with our primary caregivers, what happened in our lives in those formative years, what identity did we form? And then when we look at tier three, this is transpersonal and mystical. This is what you hear about in most psychedelic experiences, which is I astral traveled. I got messages from guides. I was talking to my ancestors. Awesome experiences to have. They can be very helpful. They can reassure us in life. We can receive great information. And if we're not doing work in the earlier tiers, then when we go back to our everyday life, if we're still carrying that charge in our nervous system, then fundamentally we're not making the kinds of shifts that we may hope to make. So it is important to be doing the work on the level of the nervous system, as well as doing some of the cognitive intellectual work and and some of the spiritual work. So there are a lot of places we can go. There are a lot of modalities that we can use with psychedelics. And there are a lot of aspects of ourselves that we can explore. So really the world is our oyster. We have a menu that's that's very extensive. Um, so that's sort of the, the first bit that I'll say. Yeah. I love how you laid it out, Lee. It's, it's so grounded and and I love that you're bringing in the fact that what we kind of hear about and this, you know, the, the mystical, like super spiritual one with God kind of stuff, you may even have that kind of experience without the other, you know, the grounding and the foundation, but then, then it was just kind of a good, a cool experience. Right. You're, you don't really know where to integrate it or how to integrate it and have the full impact that it could have for you. I love that you're talking about that. So it just, you know, and, and the power that's there. And I think you're really underlining that these are very powerful modalities, but that it's a holistic approach, right? Like that it isn't any one of these that is good, like the it of our journey, you know, I, we're right. just two in our culture, like the five easy steps or like the 10, yeah. you know, this is what will get you, you know, the, the, all the love you need in the world, but you know, it's, it's not, it's never that. And I've learned that pretty early on. And I think you have too. So thanks for bringing that in. Cause I think a, a theme that we've been with all day is kind of breaking misconceptions and out of that 
really then being able to tap into the beauty, the wonder, the depth of, you know, mm. whether it's a modality or our bodies and presence and all of that, which is so beautiful. And I have a feeling with this next question, I'm going to ask, it's, it's kind of all of what I just said, but I still want to hear it from you is what is the way of the high priestess? <laughs> I'm so excited. So the way of the high priestess is ever evolving within each of us. I will very clearly say, I do not have anyone else's answer. My purpose in the work that I do is to create a space for you to discover your own answer. That in its essence is the way of the high priestess. The high priestess is this archetype in my experience. And there are many ways that the high priestess is defined in tarot cards and in different archetypal work. But what I really see the high priestess as is this fully integrated woman. She has beautiful masculine aspects, beautiful feminine aspects. She's certainly not perfect and she's willing to keep showing up. She has her own hard times. She has her own blind spots and she says, okay, fell off the horse. Let's get back up and let's do it again. I love myself no matter what. It is this woman who unapologetically has her own back. And as a result of that, she shows up in the world in her most powerful, truest expression. And sometimes that's very vulnerable expression. She's not always, you know, with Teflon things sliding off of her. She is real and authentic and raw and powerful and all of it. And so this way, this path to embodying that version of ourselves, which is already here, it was never not here for us, is walking the path to creating that fundamental sense of safety within ourselves. Because when we feel safe, that's when we show up as who we are. And you know, if you've ever shown up with a group of friends, when you showed up with a group of friends that accept you and love you for who you are, you show up with all your quirks and your the, the funny things about you, the deep things about you, the things about you that you're still working on, you feel safe to show up. We have to be the model of that for ourselves first. That is no one else's responsibility as adults, right? It was our parents' responsibility when we were kids and they did the best they could. And now we're adults. And so we go through that process of reparenting ourselves and remothering ourselves, particularly as women. And we lead the way with our open hearts by opening our hearts to ourselves. It's the only way we can do it out in the world in a sustainable, wide-reaching way. And so that's the way of the high priestess. Can we continue creating safety within ourselves so that we can open to ourselves so that we can do what we came to do in the world, whatever that is, and lead with an open heart. So beautifully expressed. And I, I feel it as you're, as you're sharing it, Lee, it's just exquisite. I'm going to ask, where can my listeners find you online and Absolutely. other places? The platform that I'm on the most is Instagram at Lee Noto underscore. You can also find me at my website, leenoto.com. And those are my, my two main places. So find me there. And I, so I share all of my updates, content, juicy, new, exciting things that are happening. And your podcast is The yes, Way of the High Priestess. The right? Way of the High Priestess. Which we just heard about. So obviously people are going to want to tune in. All right. So last question that I like to end with is what does rewrite the mother code mean to you? Mm -hmm. I'm feeling what that feels like for me. And when I close my eyes, the first image I get is my three-year-old self. I had bangs and little dimples and like very soft skin that smelled like flowers. And it is seeing all parts of myself 
and loving myself unconditionally. And as a result of my showing up in integrity with myself and how I remother myself, I naturally walk the world with that energy and with that capacity. And by virtue of being who I am, I invite others into rewriting their own mother code. I'm going to have to write that up. That was so beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. But I also love how you just, you know, tuned into yourself and thank you for bringing that so sensory grounded and and beautiful expression of what it meant to you. Thank you. I always like to encourage uh, all my listeners always, you know, we're always on this journey of mothering ourselves and, you know, that way. And what's one way you're going to mother yourself this week or this weekend? Is it coming up? (laughs) I love that. The two words that come up are allowance and permission. And I was just sharing with my partner earlier today that this next week and a half is all about my creative expression. I am very clear that because I'm entering into my menstrual cycle, I am not in the place of tinkering with the mechanics of my website or logistical things, like just not where my brain wants to be right now. I want to be journaling and reading and feeling inspired and inspiring others. And that feels like the grounded sovereignty that I'm stepping into as someone who is always in the process of remothering herself is giving myself permission to do that and saying, you know what, baby, go do your thing, like aim for your dreams. You've got this. And that's the kind of permission and allowance that I always want to be able to grant myself. So that's what I'm doing this week. Sounds perfect and beautiful. Thank you so much. And Lee, thank you so much for joining and and this conversation that I really kind of don't want to end, but we'll end for now. And I look forward to more, more to come. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. I'm leaving feeling overjoyed. So thank you for the space. Thank you so much for choosing yourself and taking the time to listen to this podcast. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to Mother. Wait, no, subscribe to Mother Her. It helps other people who need this message, aka all women, well, actually everybody, men included. I'm honored to have you on this journey in mothering yourself. Remember, change is uncomfortable, but it's beautiful and it starts with us. And if you can't wait until next week's episode, follow me on Instagram and LinkedIn at Dr. Gertrude Lyons or at my website, drgertrudelyons.com. I'll see you next time.